0: You're, You're listening, listening to BQN. Assimilate the, the audio. audio. Engage. Seventy years have passed since the days of the original USS Enterprise. Now a new galaxy starship has been designed.
1: Transporter Chief, beam our listeners aboard. Welcome to Galaxy Class, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast here on the BQN. I am your host, diplomatic standard bearer Kevin Scarf, and with me today is Counselor Amy Nelson. And Mr. Joe Keegan, what is your honorary title today, sir?
2: Oh, I feel like, do you know what? Previously in life, I have... um been like chief engineer on a flagship mm-hmm. um, of the federation and everything has worked but recently i feel like chief o'brien on deep space nine where nothing works and falls apart. yes oh no oh but but you're the man to fix it well i've been trying there's a few things that are breaking down and it's putting me to the limits of my skills and fixing things. Mm. Like so my kitchen aid stand mixer literally blew up just before Christmas. Oh no. Um I'd be fixing that. Um I think I know how to fix it. I'm waiting for a part from Germany. and um, my telescope um stopped working, um, got the part fixed, but then realized there was another bit of the this little part that I needed fixed as well. So I fixed that last night and it's uh it's um very um like duct tape
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> fix. Um and then there was something else. Our Eufy Robovac, our little robotic vacuum cleaner, um the sensor bar, and I've decided to go on the Fritz and that's not working. I'm fighting with UFI to get a replacement and they're not replacing it. Um, so um yeah, it's annoying me. So that's my that's what I've got in for me for 2023. Fixing more stuff. Um, yeah, Amy, what are,
0: you
1: guys?
2: what are you fixing?
0: Oh my gosh, what am I fixing? Um, you know, I'm gonna fix my life. How about oh, <laughs> so it was interesting. Uh, some teacher friends we got together, and we for the new year for 2023, we made vision boards. You know how you think about your goals mm-hmm. and what you accomplish and. So we were cutting out stuff from magazines and putting words and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I made a vision board for 2023. And the word that I am going to use for this year is improve. Ooh. So that is my mantra for the year, to improve.
2: What specifically are you going to improve?
0: So I do have goals underneath that. Um, my one big goal is to read more and watch less TV. That's, that's definitely, um, and I want to improve, uh, by learning to cook another style of, you know, cuisine. Um, Yes. And to get back to my yoga. Um, that sort of dropped off during the holiday season. So that's, I need to get back to that. So there's a couple there.
2: Nice. What? Well, so I'm, I'm intrigued by the cooking style. What region of the world are you going to focus on?
0: So I've done pretty good with the Mexican cuisine. And my most recent one that I learned was the Indian. So now I want to do like specifically Japanese
2: because oh.
0: I've dabbled with the Thai food, um, but I want to specifically Japanese. Mm-hmm. I have a nice wok, so I'm I'm on my way.
1: Sharp knife. You really need a really sharp knife for Japanese too, don't you?
0: Yes, I have cutco knives. Um, yeah.
2: And you need to buy some katsu bushi and some dashi mm. and miso.
0: Yes. All of that stuff.
2: I love you. Japanese food.
0: Right? Mm. Mm. And to cook it at home. That's what I'm looking forward to.
2: Yeah.
1: I um I don't have any such aspirations and goals. I'm just taking life one day at a time. We did start rehearsals for the play yes. that we stopped rehearsals on three years ago. So we've picked that up again. So the show that we've put on hold for three years because of the pandemic is finally going to happen. And first rehearsal was great. And I think we're going to, I think it's going to be a good show. So very did happy. Did
2: they stay with the original casting or did they? We the
1: lost, character. we lost one actor. Uh, who's a young guy who decided to go back to university.
2: Good. He didn't die. He just no, moved he away. No, he just that's, went off
1: to disgusting. university. <laughs> so uh, we did have to find a replacement for him, but uh, we've got, we've got a, a very good uh, actor friend of mine who's stepped in and it's going to be a good show. Nice. So, yeah very exciting
2: So
0: your, your weather Kevin must be doing well because I just saw a video of your uh, car getting washed.
1: Yes so after all that snow we had at Christmas like right. we had we we literally had three feet of snow fall on Christmas uh, it went up to plus 10 the next week and all the snow melted and oh it gosh. hasn't been below freezing since. Wow. So there's very little snow. It's the strangest January we've ever had. Yeah it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you need to wash off all that salt and yes. crud from the uh, from the snowy winters anyway. So.
2: <laughs> and we're yeah. only at the beginning of winter as well. So.
1: I know. And some of my some of my friends are like oh isn't it so great that the weather's so warm. I'm like no, like, I just, I want to get through winter, so let's have winter, let's let winter go from January till the end of March, and then then let it be spring. This mm. up and down, up and down isn't good for anybody's health, and it's uh, mm. messy. I'd rather just be cold and snowy for three months and then get it
2: over with. Yeah, because you've got to wonder what the climate's got in the store of. Is it saving up all the, like, minus 50 Celsius and 20 feet of snow for you? Yeah, in April. February? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looks it's crazy. crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, shall we move on to uh, check the communications array and see if we have any comments from our listeners?
0: Logs accessed.
1: No, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know you're listening, but it's been a busy time of year for everybody and we understand, but we'd love some feedback. So when you get a chance, uh, you know, send us a, send us a message. You'll hear all about that at the end of the show especially after Joe worked so hard editing the Music of TNG episode last week.
2: He yes. put
1: a lot of extra effort into that, and uh, he appreciates some some feedback. I yes. think I
0: might actually have to listen to that, because I remember recording it, and I was like, man, how is this going to turn out?
2: I said, you know what? I know I'm going to say that I think it's really good because I spent so long editing it, but it's completely completely different to what we recorded. Really. Okay. I speaking literally. is the same, um, but everything else is, did, is totally different.
1: Were you playing the music live while you were talking to, talking <sighs> to
0: each other? Yes. Yeah. That was the idea.
1: Joe, did you re-record the music after you talked to Amy?
2: Yes. Oh. Because there was a massive delay because mm-hmm. we are I was using two computers um and I was hearing what Amy was hearing. So I was hearing the delay so when I played it on the keyboard like I would I would hear it like two seconds later
0: after you so, push the key yeah yes yeah, mm. so in terms
2: of getting the rhythm it, it just wasn't possible so I, yeah I re-recorded it all um and it sounds it sounded great I listened I do a listen. times better yeah and it sounded and fantastic it, uh, you can tell it's the Tng theme because that's what we talk about mostly Mm-hmm. Um, but it just picks out sections of the orchestra, yeah, which I think works quite well. Yeah, so I'm no, okay. really interested to see what people's thoughts on it are in terms of our listeners. I did thought it sounded. It?
1: I thought it sounded great as a listener of last week's episode.
2: So we have some feedback from Kevin Scarf on our music, iconic music of TNG episode, and Kevin says it was great. Yes, <laughs> and Joe did a fantastic
1: job <laughs> editing
2: and joe did a fantastic job editing thank you
0: thank you so much we just really appreciate it when listeners give us feedback
2: (laughs) Uh,
1: why write it down when i can tell you in person
2: true true (laughs) live feedback love it
1: well why don't we move on then from that to uh our main topic today
2: this is the captain senior officers will report to my ready room immediately
1: We're here for a Batleth battle. It's been eight weeks since the last one. I'm sorry. uh, Christmas duties took me away. But here we are ready for another one. Ready to start Batleth battle 29.
0: You know what I I find weird, Joe? Why didn't we feel that we could run a Batleth battle?
1: And nothing stopping you from running a Batleth battle.
0: I know. I just realized that. I'm like, why is this a Kevin thing? I think I mean have. it is a Kevin thing. Obviously we respect that. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: I'm sure we have done a battle of battle work, Kevin. No. I I, I think there I might think have been have.
1: one, but I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah. again, I'm going to be around for the next several months. So, <laughs> <since> <laughs> like 11 months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You uh, saw I mean, that bracket and how many episodes we have to get through.
1: <laughs> oh, there's, there's, there's supposed to be several hundred Batliff battles before we get to the end.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're here you for the to, long haul. Yeah, you need uh-huh. to be here more than just a few months, Kevin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so our Batliff battle today is "Hide and Cue," which is season one, episode ten, and Tin Man, season three, episode twenty. Uh, before we start get, getting into specifics, any thoughts on these two episodes in general?
0: Yes. When I saw these two up against each other, I'm like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Yeah. But I did rewatch both of them. And there are some significant points that I'm sure will be brought up that's going to make this difficult. I don't know how I'm going to vote right now. Ooh. Yeah.
2: I do know how I'm going to vote. Wow. It's very clean cut for me.
0: Oh, um, interesting. You know, I
2: mean, do you know how Amy's going to vote? Troy wasn't even in hiding queue. So <laughs> Amy's going to turn man. Is <laughs> it her episode? Surely. She's building the tension, Josh. I know. Sorry, I've called her out on that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what
0: that about you, tr- Kevin?
1: <laughs> I always find it interesting when we put one of these really early first season episodes up against anything else because tone the tone of the show and even the look of the show changed so much from the beginning to where we are near the end of season three for tin man so um you know i it it makes those early episodes have to work even harder to win the battle but there are some really great points in hide and Q. so why don't we start with that one
0: who would like to do a quick summary of the episode Hide and Cue? Amy. Well, <laughs> the first thing that I remember hearing when I watched this, Troy isn't in this episode. Of course, fine. I wonder where she was. Um, and I looked in the um, TNG Companion and it didn't say where she was and why she wasn't. She in this episode.
2: It, 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 Picard mentions it. The, they dropped Troy off at uh, Station G seven or G to visit home or the yeah. G twenty summit, so she could catch shuttled a bus home. home or something.
0: Yeah, so she's yeah shuttled home, but I mean, why isn't Marina Sirtis in this? That's I apologize. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> this is the episode, listeners. If you remember where Riker gets his powers, um, they're in this frantic, they're going to try and save this planet from something and there's wounded and and everyone's bustling around. And then they get trapped with this net that they recognize from encounter at Farpoint. And this is the queue and they send them down to this like Napoleon pig people and they have to fight. They send Tasha Yar to the penalty box I'm sorry. Well, there's an okay. You can cry in the penalty box. I've made this a new rule. Oh, if only you weren't a captain. <laughs> captain. Oh, my gosh. That
1: was that was cringy Super dialogue. Cringy
0: Super cringy, yes. Um, and we get to see Q, and Q's like, I'm going to give Riker the best gift ever. He's going to have the power of the Q. And then Riker gets all high and mighty, and Jean-Luc... Did you know that you're calling me by a first name? I can control my powers. And lo and behold, this little kid dies on the planet. I could have saved them. And well, why don't you give your friends all a gift? And so Riker, thinking he knows best, gives Wesley 10 years. And he's now this handsome, strapping young man. Uh, gives Worf some kind of, I don't know, woman. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll just leave it at that. Um, gives Geordi his eyesight. Um, Data refuses. And he didn't go anywhere else. He just gave those three. And they all said, nope, we're going to work on this. This may be real to you, or it may be real to you, Q, but I want to get there by myself. And Picard smiles like, and Riker's like, "How did you know? I've known all along. I know my people." And then Q takes away his powers and goes away.
2: Yeah, and Riker, did you mention it? Riker changes Wesley into a completely different human being.
0: At yes, point? but yes. still has the same voice. Yeah, it's oh, yes. <laughs> Will Wheaton's voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: weird. Excuse mm. me,
0: Bob? Excuse me. <laughs>
1: How's oh, that for the summary? summary. Yeah. I think that's a good summary. So we always talk about um, about importance to canon and guest stars. So I mean, there's only really one big guest star in this mo- in this episode, right? And that's Mister um, Delancey. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't seen him since the pilot, right? He this was his this was Q's first appearance since um, encounter at Farpoint. Isn't that
0: correct? Yes. Okay, looking at the guest stars, can I just talk about the number of Ws associated with Wesley Crusher, Wesley, played mm-hmm. by Quill Wheaton, and Wes at age 25 is played by William Wallace. What mm-hmm. in the heck is up with all of these Ws? I'm that's a little weird.
1: Well, when you're gonna age a character up you need to find someone with the same initials
0: oh then it works then it works okay so will
1: wheaton had to become william
0: wallace (laughs) yeah
2: don't really know what to say about that really um thanks amy
0: yeah so So joe what are you thinking about this episode hide and cue do you like it?
2: Uh, there's a couple of things that I really I struggle to get by. The Tasha crying. But mm-hmm. I think she realises that she's been a bit ridiculous when she's like, oh, what am I doing? Crying? Um, then there's the line, oh, if only you weren't the captain. <sighs> Which comes across just as creepily or as weird as when Wharf says a very similar line to um, the Outrageous O'Connor guy. In the outrageous O'Connor episode, what there's yeah. a, I, I, I don't know. I, I, we I watched this episode. It, I know we're, I'm diverting, but the dialogue in general is a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the the green planet that they go to with the mm-hmm. um, the Napoleonic mm-hmm. um The planet which just looks like they forgot to put the special effects onto the green screen.
0: It's total <laughs> TOS. That's yeah, uh, exactly what it is.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know if that just was the green screen that they left up. Yep. And they painted on some moons. Um, but yeah. There's some really nice details in it though. Um, looking at, you know, Q's outfits are always a bit outrageous and outlandish, and he always mm-hmm. takes a, a an outfit and then embellishes it. So like the, the Starfleet Admiral uniform with the gold braiding but his gold braiding is like two inches thick and just really over the top. But then there's his um, Napoleon outfit. And looking at all the details, I because we were watching it on our new TV, so it's like big, giant, 4K, full resolution. So you can see all the details in his outfits. Um, there's a thing that looks like a sheep. He's wearing this big kind of gold medallion thing from his neck down to his chest. Um, and there's a thing that looks like a sheep that's draped over um, this medal. And it turns out it's the Order of the Golden Fleece, which mm. is one of the highest military orders in Napole- Napoleonic France. Mm. Um, and it was, I think, I'm not a I'm not as a laggy, so um, I think it was worn by, like, the Marshal of France at the time. And um, I think that was Napoleon, who Q is dressed mm. as because mm. obviously you would be napoleon if you're, if you're going to choose anybody you're going to if Q's going to choose anyone you're going to choose napoleon
1: yeah picard said that to him at one point right that uh oh you picked a marshal so you could outrank even an admiral right
0: mm. yeah that was mentioned a couple times yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah. well cool there's a couple of notes on memory alpha that i think are interesting one is that uh, maurice hurley wrote this episode. It was the first episode that he was he wrote for TNG. And I, he was an original series writer. But Gene Roddenberry was so disappointed with the work that he did on this episode that he ignored Hurley whenever they passed each other in the hallway at Paramount, which was about four or five times a day. This is according to uh, uh, Chaos on the Bridge. Um, now, ultimately, the script was rewritten by Gene Roddenberry to such an extent that Hurley requested his name be taken off of it. And that's why the name CJ Holland is used on the credits. Huh.
2: So they just made up a name. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, I knew there was tensions because I'd seen Chaos on the Bridge. And then if you listeners have seen Center Seat... Um, the talk about that in the TNG years. I mean, not specific to this episode, but definitely with Maurice Hurley and Roddenberry. Mm. Yeah.
1: The other thing is that um, Troy was in the final draft of the episode that was um, that was submitted only three days prior to the filming of the show, which suggests that Marina was some somewhat unavailable uh, suddenly, mm. and so her lines were eventually cut from the episode or transferred to other characters mostly tasha would it Uh, make more sense if troy said yeah troy had done the crying and said if only you weren't the captain no that doesn't make
0: sense no matter who maybe beverly if beverly
1: said that i don't know and so and they quickly wrote that line the picard says in the teaser about deanna being away
2: Hmm. I would have been okay with Beverly saying, "If only you weren't the captain." Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but they they could get away with that. Right. Now, in terms of looking where they are on the ship, but
0: he's a captain, also but
2: she's she can overrule them in certain circumstances,
0: right? And also, we saw the flirtation between Crusher and Picard in Naked Now. Yeah, so that really. would have made more sense. So all of a sudden, have Tasha or Troy,
1: and why that. didn't? Why yeah. didn't Beverly get transported with the rest of them? Like she wasn't one of the crew that got beamed right. to the planet.
2: Did they even she... get the, they didn't get to the planet did they? Yeah. Well, the
1: that I mean that Q transported away. Wasn't it just Worf, Riker, Data and Yar?
2: That might have been even more interesting when yeah. um Wesley dies to see that... Beverly's reaction. That would have been Yep. But she that was to the save her second, son.
1: That was the second time though, right? That's yes, when Riker that's right. took yes. them back. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't I don't know why Beverly wasn't more involved in the um in the storyline.
0: Yeah, she was there just more like on the bridge when Will was handing out gifts. She was being a mom. Yeah. not a doctor. A yeah.
2: I liked it at the beginning where she's didn't whole we're having to get ready to save these five hundred and twenty-four people that have been involved in a mining accident. Let's go and save them.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wasn't that the reference? Oh, okay, never mind. That's Tin men. Sorry, forty-seven reference, but that's Tin men. We'll get there. Oh.
1: Yeah, the um some other cute notes. Um, the Klingon that Riker conjures for Worf is the. First Klingon we see in TNG that's not Worf. Mm -hmm. She wasn't even real. And they reused scenes from Encounter at Farpoint in this episode. Apparently the scene at the beginning of the episode when four officers are leaving sickbay was also in Encounter at Farpoint. It says a couch can be seen at the place where Crusher's office would be at this time.
2: Hmm. I'd imagine they'd reuse the Q4 field footage as well when it approaches and wraps around the Enterprise. It's maybe a reuse. would make sense. If you've, got the, list.
1: if you've got them, why not use them? Yeah. Um, we so, should talk, oh go, go ahead. ahead. So we've talked about music a little bit because you guys have been on a music kick lately. Uh during the fight scenes between the Enterprise crew and the uh the pig face aliens, the song that's playing is La Marseillaise, the French national anthem. National.
2: I noticed that
0: yeah. Oh I did not. Well that's cool. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I feel because there's so much story with Q, like hide and Q really adds to this universe building of what we know of the Q continuum. Um, it's interesting that the Q powers can be just instantly bestowed. Apparently to anyone, mm. or is it only to humans? Like, That's something that I was thinking about. I'm like, could he have given that to Worf or to any other species? What do you think?
2: I suppose if you're all powerful, then you can do anything.
0: Well.
1: True. Normally, we only see the Q appear as human. Except at the beginning of this episode, he appeared as that giant three-headed snake thing. Which for mm-hmm. some reason I had never actually noticed or looked closely at before. It's like this weird three-headed cobra coming out of a crystal ball, and they called it he called it some kind of
2: an Aldebaran a... serpent.
1: Yeah. Um, no. There it must was... be
2: an actual real Star Trek species, if it's from yeah. the planet Aldebaran. And that's just the way they look.
1: I guess so. I thought it just sort of looked like something that An egyptian pharaoh might put on their crown or something
0: yeah yeah it's very strange um and so i think like this episode really does fit with canon except and it always bugs me because we know the relationship between q and picard but in this episode He's so focused on Riker. Mm -hmm. But then in later episodes, Picard states, well, he's always had a fascination with me. No, he hasn't. He had a fascination with Riker first. (laughs) I'm just saying like that really annoys me. And I wish it would have either been consistent or that Picard wouldn't say, well, he's always been, you know, infatuated with Mm. me or whatever.
2: Did he maybe go for Riker because he knew Riker would be tempted by the powers? But he never went for Picard because Picard was just kind of very Picard fixed. knew. Yeah, Picard knew. So Riker
0: a... is the weaker minded of them. I could go for that.
1: That's 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 sort of what I took it as too, that
0: he, oh. he looked
1: at the two of them and went, Oh, of these two, who's more likely to say yes to my gifts? Mm-hmm. It's Riker.
2: I quite like the way Jonathan Frakes acts as being a cue. There's something really schmarmy and annoying about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when we first see him, and he's lying on the rock, just laughing at the sky. And then he's all like, Oh, I've got all these powers, and I can save people, I can give you all your gifts.
0: Ever since seeing Picard and that Admiral talking to Admiral Jean Luc, pure effing hubris. That's all I get when I watch this now is just Riker and his hubris. Mm -hmm.
1: So there is a novel that references this episode in the, in the novel Q and A, it says that um, Q was sent by the continuum to give Picard the powers of the Q as a test of humanity's ability to save the universe eventually. But Q was like, Nope, I'm going to
0: use Riker instead. I've read that book, so I must have known that, but forgotten. <laughs> that so, makes sense. Yeah, that fixes it.
1: And it's Q going against what the collective wants too, right? Mm-hmm. Point, painting him as a bit of a rebel. Yeah. Not the collective. The continuum. You got. I gotta get my words right.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, how important is this episode to canon then?
0: Very important. I agree. I mean, not only like we get this of, of Riker giving Data, you know, his one desire to be human. And I love what Data said. He's like, well, I'd like to not confound one illusion with another. Like mm-hmm. how realistic, like Data knows he's not going to be human, but yet still attains for it. I loved it like each of their responses. Ooh, and that weird one with Jordy when he sees Tasha, you're more beautiful than I imagined. Okay. It it's just cool. there was some weirdness, but yeah. he he knows that he would miss it, you know. And we see that played out in future episodes and movies with both right. of them.
2: I I don't buy the and Jordi can't see better than humans. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. his visor's getting everything from the electromagnetic spectrum. And he's filtering out what he needs. The visible part of the spectrum is part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So yeah. surely he should be able to see Tasha should be able to... just even better than we can. In in, in 4K high def. Yeah, 8k, <laughs> yes. 12k, a million K.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He analog, should be able,
2: analog vision. That's what that is.
1: He should be able to filter out everything that's not in the visible spectrum and just mm. if he wants. Yeah. yeah. He might not oh. have as bad a headaches if he did that. That's a good Now, point.
0: what do you think, had Riker bestowed his love onto Picard, what would he have given Picard?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Are we
2: too early to see a family? I was wondering mm. that. That's been a bit of a recurring theme. We see it in... Would he have made Beverly... Made
1: him, like, say something to Beverly? Just sort of mm. nudge him towards Beverly?
2: Yeah. Made Beverly. But
1: if he had offered Beverly something, what would it have been?
0: I think maybe something to do with Jack. Because mm. then that would, you know, mm. unite the family. And sort of take care of Wesley so, too.
2: So Riker gives Beverly Jack back <laughs> and gives Picard Beverly. So we have weird. <laughs> now Jack. there's two Beverlys. Oh, oh, no, it's, it's, it's a... just that weird TNG throuples. Yes. Yeah. Do, <laughs> That's they, funny. do they share quarters or.
1: Instead I of sister wives, they're brother husbands.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
2: Almost Mormon. Mm
0: -hmm. Don't make me spit out my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And the other, the other, the
1: the other person he didn't offer a gift to was Tasha. Right. Like Tasha's been through some extreme, extreme, uh, troubles in her life. And obviously, by her comment to Captain Picard, she's looking for a father figure or, or,
2: sugar daddy
0: <laughs> yeah what would he offer to tasha like those seemed obvious
2: rescue our sister
0: because <laughs> she's that... still back
2: on the planet with the rape yeah. gangs and all sorts yeah, yeah. wow
0: Who maybe knows?
1: he could rewrite her whole history like he could he has the power through all time and space he could have made it so that she didn't end up there or that her family never end up there or that the colony didn't devolve into that.
0: Yeah. You know, and I do like at the very end when it's like, how can the Q manipulate time and space so effortless, effortlessly. And what did Picard say? I mean, it was just sort of eloquent, like, you know, we'll get there someday. Just so matter of factly, you know, I really like that. And that shows our potential. Like the the theme of the show is that we have potential. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's what, yeah, they were sort of sent, Q was sent to investigate is our potential. And maybe that's what scares them. Yeah. I mean, it's very hopeful for humanity. It's it's a good episode. It just has that season one production. Slunkiness.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I was thinking um, Riker might give Tasha um, like a little personal force field, like a little, do you remember that episode of Stargate Atlantis where they discover the little thing that goes in your chest mm-hmm. and it makes you invulnerable, yeah? Yes. And she said, all he says to her well, is, um like, where anytime you're going on a away mission in the future, where oh. this?
0: Yeah." Yep.
1: so that that leads me to a question then too uh, do the q have true omnipotence by giving riker the power of the q does he know and see all
2: does i'm going to say no because in picard season two um q is dying that's right Yes, so if they were all omnipotent, like truly omnipotent, all powerful, then they'd they'd be able to stop their own demise.
0: See, that's why I'm saying could can the Q give powers to anyone? There are limits. There are he he obviously doesn't know the future. Mm. He can speculate, he can go back in time to fix the future. He yeah, there's ah. limitations.
2: I think that his limits are purely um, based on the fact that other episodes haven't been written yet. <laughs> there's that. For him to know the future. Exactly. <laughs> so
1: the Q have ultimate power, but like the Bajoran prophets live, out, they live they live all time at once, so they can see all of time and space all at once. So they have mm-hmm. unlimited knowledge, whereas the Q have unlimited power. Okay. Does that make
2: sense? Yes. As far as living a non-linear existence does right. make sense. <laughs> yes, right,
0: exactly. <laughs> All right. So I
2: actually, I watched that. I watched emissary the other during the week. Um, oh yes, thirtieth anniversary
1: of Deep Space Nine.
2: Yeah, I know. Like, I couldn't wrap my head around that whole conversation. they are like, oh, "What is time? What is past? What is future? What is?" What is now? What is? They just, in Cisco couldn't really explain.
1: Until he used the baseball metaphor.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, super confusing, but that's what it that is. You might be right, though, Kevin, in saying that the, um, the Bajoran prophets were all knowing mm-hmm. and Q was all powerful, but not necessarily all knowing.
1: Well, uh, anything else we should talk about on Hide and Q before we move on to, um,
2: to Tin Man? Um, I Sorry, can I come back to the whole canon thing? I'm not entirely convinced this is necessarily important to canon. And mm. that it doesn't, nothing changes as a consequence of this episode.
1: There is that. But it does make Q our first recurring TNG um, an- antagonist. This was the first time any character from the series had returned.
0: Mm -hmm. True. So, yeah, there is that.
1: Okay, but but you are right. There was not. There was nobody. Nobody learned any major lessons
0: except maybe Riker got his.
2: Yeah, it's just one of those standalone episodes, and it resets after the end of the episode.
0: But it builds the world of the queue. We're learning more about it.
2: This is true.
1: So why don't we move on to talk about Tin Man and uh, Joe do you want to do a brief summary of what what's going on on Tin Man?
2: Sure. So the Enterprise has rendezvoused rendezvous with another starship um, to pick up a, a passenger a Betazoid passenger called Tam Elbrun because um, he's needed on a mission and the Enterprise then has to go off to this far off sector um, to find whatever's there. Um. It turns out that Tam Elbrin um used to work with Deanna Troy, but not as a colleague at the Betazoid Psychology School, um, as a patient. Um, his backstory is that he was his full beta zoid, but he was born with his full telepathic powers. And we find out that the beta zoids, telepathic powers normally develop during adolescence, so for him it was a a huge struggle to try and adapt to having all these telepathic powers as an infant and a child, um, which meant he needed lots of psychiatric therapies. Um, So, turns out there's some um, weird object in orbit of a star which is about to go supernova, and it turns out that that thing is called Two, which is an ancient living spaceship, um, and there's a race between some Baddy Romulan guys and the Enterprise to get to to get to Gom Two to discover what it actually is. Turns out also that Tam Elbrin, the Betazoid guy, has been in contact using his telepathy with Gom Two for quite a long time, and he um, discovers that Gom Two used to have a, a biological crew. But they were all di- they all died due to some kind of radiation poisoning, um, and Gom Two has been living this solitary existence, um, and so he's decided to just be by the star until it goes supernova, so he can commit, or she, or the starship, the biological starship, can commit suicide. Effectively, um, one um, Romulan ship um, makes it to Gomtu. And they try to destroy Gontu, but Gontu does this um, does this kind of energy thing and blasts the Romulan ship away. Um, and there's another Romulan ship that is coming in. And then Gomtu does this spinny thing and then throws the Romulan ship and the Enterprise away. And then later on, we see an away team goes over to Gomtu and Tam Elbrun decides to Merge and link. We go to and they go and live happily ever after. Pretty much.
0: Pretty much. Mm. Yes. Very good recap, Joe. I was mm. watching mm. it in my mind as you were describing it.
2: <laughs> it wasn't linear. <laughs> linear. I did jump about the place, but that's the <laughs> result of our living a non-linear existence. I
0: that's right. Yes. <laughs>
1: So why don't we start by talking about the guest stars in this episode. And the big one here is Harry Grainer, who plays Tam Elbrin. Um,
0: yes. So he played on in Dear Doctor. It was Ralph on NBC's Dear Doctor, which I almost remember seeing. Um, and he later won a Tony for his lead in the musical Crazy for You. mm. So he's a song and dance man. Yeah.
1: I know him best from, um, the, from the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he played the mayor who was in league with a demon. And um, so he was on 14 episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, oh,
0: wow. That's significant. Do you guys know that musical, Crazy for You?
1: I do.
2: It's a musical all of Cole Porter music.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. So, yeah,
2: Harry Groner was also in a couple of other Star Trek episodes. Um, he played a, a human minister, um, um a politician in Enterprise. Um, and he was also, I was it in the Chani, um, in a Chani magistrate in a Voyager episode. Um, I don't even know the name of the episode. Sacred Ground.
0: Oh, but nothing in else in TNG. No, nothing
2: Enterprise. in TNG. Okay. No, cool. Enterprise and Voyager.
1: He also played King Arthur in Spamalot um on Broadway oh. for a
2: while. Oh. You no, know, I'm what, thinking of the Spamalot. no, not I'm not thinking of Spam a lot at all. So he I'm must thinking... have
1: taken over from Tim Curry.
2: Oh no, you know I wasn't thinking of Spam a lot? I was thinking of the movie The Holy Grail. Uh, oh and I'm thinking Which is King Arthur. Who plays King Arthur in the Holy Grail movie? Because kind of looks a bit similar.
1: It's um uh That's uh, one of the uh, Pythons, isn't it? Yes, I can
2: Graham. Is it Graham um, Yes. What's Graham? Um, Is it
1: Chapman? Is it Graham Chapman? Graham
2: Chapman, yeah, I think you might be right. Um, Oh, good job, Kevin. Oh, the The Holy Grail was a formative film for me. I've never laughed so much as I have done at the Holy Grail with the Black Knight scene. Oh yes, I must have been fifteen or sixteen when I first saw it, and literally now you're doubled over laughing, tears are streaming down your face, and you think you're going to throw up because you're laughing so much and your ribs hurt. I I got to actually die.
1: I got to be in a production of Spamalot once, a community (sighs) theater production of Spamalot. Uh, I played Sir Robin who bravely runs away. It's very fun, and when you're when you're on a stage, like it was so easy to learn the script because I had memorized Holy Grail. I got uh-huh. to do I got to do the swallow scene and the bring out your dead scene. It was so great.
2: Uh, how many? How many European swallows or something? Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah.
1: But we've gotten way off track. Larry well, really?
0: he's a great actor. Back to Tin Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, this uh, Tin Man was based off of Tin Woodman, a 1979 book written by Dennis Putnam. Oh, Dennis Putnam Bailey and David Bischoff. Sorry. Let me finish. We also my have subject. writing
1: credits on this episode. Oh. Yes.
2: Interesting. I did not know that. I just assumed it was a Wizard of Oz reference.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. But Now what's really cool, Joe, because I know.
2: Oh, was the tin? Sorry, Amy. Sorry. Yes. Was the tin man looking and was D'Voz looking for a heart?
1: Yes, he was. Yes.
2: And tin man, the Tam Elbron tin man living spaceship, was looking for his crew, which yes. was his heart.
0: Yes. 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 I,
2: think, I think there's more in that naming. Because it was
0: an empty cavity. Yes. He didn't have.
2: Yeah. In which case was the Tin Woodman book from 19, when did you say 1979? Was
0: it a reference to the Tin Man and The Wizard of Oz? I have not read the book. So, listeners, if you've read the book, please let us know. Please let us know. I think they
2: must be linked in some way. Yeah. Amy, you're going to say about the
0: music. Music, yes. Did you want to talk about it?
2: Hey, or do you have anything you want to say first?
0: Yes, I do, because I know you love Tin Man so much, Joe, mm-hmm. and you appreciate the music. And I also, the this is the first time we get our composer, Jay Chataway. This mm-hmm. is his first episode. And then he gets put into the rotation with uh, Dennis McCarthy and Ron Jones. So this is his first, and he does great, great music. I still remember listening to uh, Brandon Shea Motella on Melodic Trucks over on Trek FM and talking about how important um, Jay Chataway's work is to TNG. Um, mm. So great, great. So glad to know that he's got to start here. What else about music, Joe?
2: I d- nothing really detailed though. Just that for a first outing on a TV show, like right, for Jay Chataway to produce something that, um, it's so familiar, but it's so different in that it grabs you. It builds the suspense of the episode so perfectly. Um, it's one. It's the main reason why I love this episode, just because of the orchestral score um, draws you in. If it wasn't for that orchestral score, it, it would be an okay episode, but this really, really turns it around.
0: Yeah, what I like is that it's almost cinematic with how he does the score because every time Tam talks about Gumptu, we get this the theme song. I'm calling it the Gumptu theme song. And what that was was um, he actually took a stethoscope to the stomach when someone was hungry and recorded that and so the inside of Gumptu, that that tin man the space living spaceship that is based off of the sounds of a stomach and then taken to an orchestra and you know made orchestral i didn't know that that's really yeah. interesting
2: there's also something that's kind of reminiscent of whale song
0: in the, mm-hmm.
2: the soundtrack as well um there's these big swells in the orchestra and um, I don't know what instrument they've used. I have to go back and listen to it again, but, um, yeah, it, it feels very biological or organic.
0: Mm-hmm. And talking about organic, that chair that comes up when Gumtu, you know, says, you know, Tam sits down in it, that it totally looks like Armis. just mm-hmm. saying, um, but it is a re- reversing time-lapse sequence of a melting wax chair. Mm. There you have it.
2: That's cool. That's yeah. an interesting way to do it. That's cool. Yeah. I saw an art installation talking about something melting. An art installation. And there was um, a box of, like, it was almost like bamboo sticks. So when you hit them, they kind of rang hmm. a bit like uh, kind of Glock and kind of xylophone thing. And but above it, there was a cone of ice with pebbles frozen in it. Mm-hmm. And as the cone of ice melted, the pebbles would randomly drop down and hit the sticks. It was quite Love
0: beautiful.
2: that! Uh-huh. I mean, I, who? Who? What kind of artist thinks up?
0: Right? Yeah. Kind of
2: thing is- yeah so effective and so ephemeral and that once it once the art has melted it will no longer be that piece of art
0: yeah like those people that do the sand designs and then
2: yeah yeah all the people on the beach in spain that will carve yeah things out and then the waves come in and wash it away
0: yeah Uh oh wow Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we went off <laughs> another tangent. I <Well,
2: laughs> tangents. Tangents are what we podcast for.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh importance do we have importance to canon here with uh Gamtu and Tindan?
0: Well, I think we get a big piece of beta Z history that mm-hmm. um most are not born with the uh telepathic. Uh. Feeling sensation switched on, yes. Um, but Tam had it at birth, um, and that was very, very difficult. Um, it seems like he's just never, which seems a little weird, to develop any strategies to block all the incoming, you know, feelings and emotions.
2: As I'm thinking, trying to think of a human analog. Right. Is it maybe a bit like autism for him? Hmm. Where he doesn't have the, the mechanisms to, to deal with things like social cues. And you maybe can adapt to them in certain ways, but mm-hmm. well, like a lifelong challenge possibly.
1: That that <laughs> makes sense because like in his in his dealings with the crew, he finishes their sentences before or or, or mm-hmm. doesn't even let them speak because he's already in their brains, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so he doesn't have those filters that Troy has. Not And then Troy's mm-hmm. only half-paid, she doesn't even have half of the abilities of even her mother. But her her mother, as pushy as she can be, knows when to let people speak and when to, um, excuse me, use her telepathy. And um, Tam Elburn does not have those that, that right. capability. So...
0: You know, and I found it weird that when Picard decided uh, to send Tam over to Gumptu that he chose Data instead of Troy. I personally felt like it should have been all three of them because Data isn't going to be able to be aware of Tam's emotional state where Deanna will be. So she needs to be there In addition, I felt that was a big overstep.
2: Mm. Like Troy's there as his doctor. Yes. And Data's there as the scientist, but also the person that um, I suppose Tam can't read. So maybe trusts a little bit more Mm -hmm. in in a weird, strange way
0: you know? Um, we, oh, go
2: ahead. Sorry, I was just going to mention. We did. I don't think we mentioned the other guest on it, Captain Robert DeSoto, who's the captain of the other ship that we meet at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. played by um the
0: Michael Cavanaugh.
2: Michael, did we mention him?
0: No, because no. I don't know who he is.
2: He's one of those American actors, yeah, around about that time that's just been in Everything. a million different TV, show, TV mm-hmm. shows, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a very recognizable face.
0: But we know from the hood, that's Encounter at Farpoint, so we do get that call back. That's nice.
2: Oh, same captain? Yeah. Oh, yes, of course it is. Yeah. And it's the USS Hood. Mm-hmm. It looks like the show that
1: you might know Robert Kavanaugh from most is 24. He had a recurring role on 24.
0: Oh, Mm. And he starred as an
1: obsessed government agent seeking an alien on Earth in the science fiction series Starman.
0: Mm. I remember watching Starman.
1: Don't recall Starman. It feels like something that I would have watched, though. Yeah. Starman was based on the movie Starman. The movie Mm -hmm.
2: had um... David Bowie. No. 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 No, uh, um... Who am I thinking of? Uh, Jeff Bridges was a
1: Starman. Jeff Bridges.
2: You're right. What um, movie am I thinking of with David Bowie? The Man they Who were, Fell to Earth. The Man Who Fell which they remade. As a recently. TV series with Kate yes. Mulgrew. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, that was quite good.
1: I enjoyed that. I remember we saw posters for that show when we were in Chicago. I remember walking down the street, I'm like, is that Kate Mulgrew on that? Yeah, that's right.
0: Hmm. Oh my gosh.
2: And I think that's about it. Four guests, really
0: really i think it is yeah. yeah i with this episode i think tam brings out sort of the stubbornness of picard because like you were saying kevin before like tam finishes everyone's sentences mm-hmm. and you know and he's finishing picard's and you he needs you to analyze this data and we're gonna resume in 10 minutes in the ready room And Picard's like, in 15 minutes, you know? And I'm like, dude, do you need to be that picky? I mean, and actually, in both of these episodes, both uh, Hide and Q and Tin Man, Picard is asserting his captaincy, his rank, and office in both episodes. Hmm. It's sort of here. Interesting.
2: Do you know what I don't think we do very well? I think we look at the guest stars as listed on Memory Alpha, but we don't look at the, the uncredited co-stars list enough. Because it could very well be the case that there's somebody listed like John Rice as a Sciences Division officer. Somebody, just a wee background part, that could maybe now... Be some kind of Hollywood A lister. Bike. I know there's no examples. Oh, I'm just thinking okay. we might oh it might happen, we, yeah. We just gloss over it because we just assume they're background right. characters, but they might have gone on to do great things. Mm-hmm. Not th- to say that their work in TNG in this episode wasn't great, but they might be super famous now.
0: Well, I think since we have so much time, 35 plus years that you know books and resources that we read now would mention how a list they are so i think we're okay i'm just thinking i'm possibly i love that even on memory alpha
1: there are five people just listed as unknown performers there are five people in this episode that we don't know who they are at all yeah right
0: Okay. Now when Jordy was in engineering and he was trying to get either the shields up or the sensors array or sensors going, and he was like, well, I, I need 30 minutes while well, you have 10 minutes. And then he's talking to the two guys in engineering and I felt it was so forced. And in the back of my mind, I know it's because of SGA rules like the screen actors or SAG SAG rules. Like if you, if they even say a word, they have to get paid more. They have to be credited. And so here we've got Jordy saying, we need to do this. Da da, 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 da. Is it done? All he gets is a head knob, like nothing, no mm. words. And it was, it was blatant that they weren't speaking. And I, that really took me out of that scene. There would have been more of a dialogue if you're in that much of a rush trying to fix things. And
2: mm. weirdly I noticed that a lot recently when I'm watching TV shows like there be something they don't speak at all throughout the entire movie or episode of like yeah they get paid less yep purely yep. for that reason Yeah. <laughs> get paid by the word or something yeah but you got to know that that was because they had a, a real limited budget
0: yeah
2: and they yep. needed people so they brought in the people paid them whatever they paid them and then yeah, you don't get words because that would blow the budget.
0: Yeah.
1: So anything more we need to talk about with uh, Tin Man here?
2: Um, Really important to canon. Like, supremely important. Because oh, yeah. we get Jay Chatterway doing a bunch of incidental music throughout the season. He writes the, the Voyager theme tune, does vo- incidental music, in all of Star Trek it's like if we're ranking all 179 episodes in terms of importance to canon this is in the top 10 for me
1: interesting Amy anything else to add to that?
0: no I have said all that I need to say today
2: Oh, okay. okay, There.
1: All right. Well, why don't we move on to our listener uh, comments? Uh, We did. I did set up a poll for this a few days ago. At the time of recording, um, we had, I believe, twelve respondents. Uh, Would you like to read some of the comments here?
0: Yeah.
2: Did we do the the result? After the result at the, at the end? Okay, cool, cool. So Jim McMahon says, Tin Man wins this battle every time, in my opinion. Even though I'm a fan of Q and Riker, Riker becoming a member of the continuum pales in comparison to Tam Eldrin's story and eventual decision to stay with gom 2. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Jim. Jim.
2: I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, there's something really powerful and poignant about that that bonding between Tam Elbram and Gumtou.
0: Well, and Jim, you say it so eloquently that it's like it's Tam Elbram's story of finding, reun- not reuniting, but finding the place where you belong mm-hmm. for both of them. Oh, it's it. kind of interesting. So
1: this is a story about a man finding the place where he belongs. And Hyden and Q is a story about a man rejecting a place where he doesn't belong.
0: Mm. It's the same thing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's Like a mirror. <laughs> oh, it is. Uh, Christos says, I like Tin Man. A good Troy episode. Agreed. A good troy episode i would say troy's in this i don't classify this as a troy episode she really it should have been with her background with tam picard definitely should have leaned on her a lot more Mm. uh
1: mary scherger said tin man and tam albren individually they were both so wounded and isolated yes but no longer through joining they have been healed Grief has even transmitted to joy, loneliness to belonging. These words between Troy and Data encompass why I love watching Trek. Also, I'm a fan of Troy episodes. This is one I definitely like to rewatch. Hoping to see this one move on.
0: Oh my gosh, Mary. Suck up to Amy, why don't you? Oh my <laughs> gosh. I love what you said loneliness to belonging. Oh my gosh, jo- grief to joy. This is why we watch Trek. Mary, oh. great comment. Thank you.
2: Hey. Chrissy. Oh, do you? No, I was wondering who's going to take it.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> go for it, Amy. You All
0: right. Uh, Chrissy writes, I have to go with Hyde and cue. There's important character information in their refusal of Riker's gifts. Jordy would take it, but for the source. Wesley understands that physical adulthood does not equal maturity. Data indicates the same, but humanity rather than maturity. Worf reads like he's taken a vow of celibacy, but is otherwise is the least profound and tips that this is a Roddenberry-penned episode. We don't get to see Dr. Crusher's greatest wish, but we can guess it's Jack. We don't see Picard's, but can we guess it's Beverly? Or shall we retcon events of Picard season two? Nor do we see Yars' wish. I'm not sure what that would have been. And Troy isn't even there. It also establishes a baseline for Riker's maturity. Here he is held back by his promise to Picard, but an older Riker would have refused Q's offer in the first place. Mm -hmm. Chrissy, great points.
1: So um, shall we put this to the vote?
0: Well, what did our listeners Oh, you want to know what them? the listeners said? Yeah.
1: So it was uh, 74% to 26% voted for Tin Man to move on.
2: Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hmm So who would like to place the first vote?
2: Well, you know, I'll go because you know the way I'm going to vote. It's yes. kind of obvious. Yes. Um, hands down Tin Man it's mm-hmm. the awkwardness of hiding Cue in the dialogue and the season one production values compared to season three Tin Man where they Trek knew what it was at that point and they kind of nailed it the special effects are outstanding Jay Chataway's orchestral score is mm-hmm. mind-blowingly good listeners go and listen to it I think it's on Apple Music currently or Spotify possibly um, it's it's just such a powerful episode. It's that hands down by far two votes. My two votes go to Tin Man.
1: (laughs) Amy, would you like to go next or would you like me to cast the next vote?
0: Um, you can go next as long as I'm not the tiebreaker.
1: (laughs) Oh. So if my vote is for Hide and Q... You don't want to know, right? Again, I say it doesn't. Well, that's okay because I was going to vote for Tin Man too. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I think I think Tin Man is a better written story. I think it 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 does have some really nice Trek feels to it. I didn't realize it was it was based on a non Trek science fiction book i kind of want to track that book down now and read that to see how uh, how what the story what the original story was like so um for those reasons um i'm going to vote for um uh, tin man
0: okay thank you so now my vote doesn't matter um okay is this been i did not plan this to be this difficult Um, We get in Tin Man, as mentioned by Mary and both of your comments, like it's this big philosophical, philosophical idea of grief fitting in, finding where you are. But it's to two people, Tam and Gumtu, that we don't really have a connection. And with Hide and Q, we are literally seeing our characters Make choices and that prove to us why we love them. The experiences are happening to them. Um, so I love them both. But since we both are going, you guys both did Tin Man, I'm going to give Hide and Q the vote that it deserves.
1: Okay. Okay. So there we go. By a vote of two to one, plus the listener vote. We are going with Tin Man. Moving on, I don't think anybody's particularly upset, but uh, but I'm glad to see that we did give we did give um, Hayden Q its due.
0: Yes. So Tin Man, Tin is Man, go up against the Offspring. Oh yeah. boy, Joe. In the
2: next round. Tin Man and the Offspring. Oh, I can't call it. I'm I know that day.
0: You love both of them.
1: How do you pick? And uh, if you want to get ready for the next Bat Left Battle, which will be in a few weeks, it will be Preemptive Strike, which is Season 7, Episode 24. So that's the second to last episode Ooh. of the show. Mm-hmm.
0: Is
2: that a Bajoran one?
0: Yeah, with Ro. And, you know, With It's
2: a Ro
1: Laren episode, yep. And okay. Schisms, Season 6, Episode 5.
2: <gasps> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm voting for right right? Excellent. No, you do not. Oh, I do. I've just okay. I
0: do. All right. Incoming transmission.
1: So we would love to hear what you thought of today's episode, and we hope you'll join our Facebook group, the BQN Collective, to continue our discussion there. You can also tweet your thoughts to at Galaxy Class Pod. We would love for you to reach out. Please reach out. We love it when we hear from you. Or you can follow the network on Twitter and Instagram at BQN Podcasts.
0: Please hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a star rating and a written review. That helps others to find our show. You can also follow the entire network's podcast with our master feed by searching BQN. This way you won't miss any of our fine shows like All Good Things, Union Federation, History with the Zilogis, Infinite Diversity, Saswatch, Mickey's Marvels, Trekspert's Quiz, and what's the tea bet? So, Joe, where can people find you when you're not listening to your stomach growl through a stethoscope as doing, you watch 10 Man? Doing, so, this
2: headphone is you guys, and this one's like attached to the cable, it's the stethoscope yes. cable, it's attached to my stomach. Yes, and um, but I'm okay, there's well, there's. I'm okay. My stomach's not rumbling because I had um, some toasted sandwiches just before we recorded. Mm. Um, so we're good. Well, not you haven't long.
0: heard my stomach rumble, have you? Because it's been talking a lot today. <laughs> when you
2: went to the bathroom, um, Kevin said he was going to edit it all out. Oh, okay. no, you're, you're, you're fine. Okay, good. When I'm not doing that, you can get me on the BQN Collective, our listeners group on Facebook. You can email me, joepodcasts at gmail.com. Or you can get me on Instagram at joyjo 77 uk Kevin, where can people find you when you're um, not trying to merge with other organic species?
1: Other organic species?
2: Yes, (laughs) non-humanoids.
1: Yeah, I don't do that often. Uh, uh, Canadian uh... moose. (laughs) <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to mess with a moose. You don't no, want to mess with a the moose. Huge. They are. They they will they will squash you like a bug. Uh, but if I'm not doing that, uh, you can find me uh, in the BQN Collective. I post there occasionally on Twitter at True North Nerds, which is the name of a podcast I do with a couple of local friends here, which is all about geekery and nerdity and all kinds of fun things. And Amy, where can people find you if you haven't been stabbed through the back by an alien wielding a bayonet?
0: Mm, one of those pig Napoleon aliens. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pegoids. Well, yes, thank you. <laughs> so you can find me here on the network where I'm co-hosting Union Federation and All Good Things. I am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place right there on the Facebook group, BQN Collective priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel if you'd
2: like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week you can become a patron of the network on Patreon we're putting out more exclusive content for our patrons that you won't want to miss like It's Green or Amy's Math Moments with a monthly Patreon subscription of $5 or more you can join our meetings of The Hive Mind on the second Saturday of each month Watch your Patreon messages for details. If you feel so inclined, please check out all the details at patreon.com slash BQN. A huge shout out to our very own associate producer, Jim McMahon, and David Willett. We are so grateful for your support.
1: So thank you for beaming aboard the Galaxy Class, and until next time...
2: Let's go, child of the fatherland. The day of glory has arrived against us from the tyranny the bloody standard is raised.
0: Great joy and gratitude.
2: Macro head with a
1: micro brain.
2: Those were the first few lines of the Marseillaise in English.
0: Oh, thank you.